podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Towards Gabbiadini! Oh, he's hit the post and he's gone in! And one shot treated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. Here's Bayano, give and go with Sturridge, that's lovely! Tommy Smith, hello for Russia! That's going to be that! It's John Bolt, it's Pearson, it is 1-0 to Derby County! Chris Collins, Bolton! What a goal! Another chance for Russell. This time he makes it. The Rams rampant. Hello and welcome once again to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. My name is Chris Parsons. It's episode six, and the Rams have had a bit of a tough fortnight. We'll discuss the Brentford ball watching, where Derby escaped with a draw. We'll discuss Birmingham at home, where it was win all for one all. And we'll get a view from the Cardiff camp ahead of Saturday. We'll also reveal our first ever ex-Derby player interview. And we'll ask a certain question about Crystal Palace. I think you know what that question is going to be. Richard Kutch is here. Hello. <laughs> and it's Tom Martin as I live and breathe. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Um, Surviving. Okay. <laughs> we'll kick off with the feature which is the backbone of this podcast. Oh, yes. Quite frankly. Come on. It's what everyone's here for. Who uh, won last week? Richard Kutcher's on a high from last week after winning his first ever Who Ramai of the season after identifying Jamie Vincent. Jamie Vincent. I, I actually completely forgot who it was from two weeks ago. But so, uh, yeah, J, the big JV. Big so has, has this turned your season, Kutch, you uh, Yes. <laughs> Tentatively. <laughs> uh, Tom, you're also looking to make a, a 6-1 lead. What do you think you've got to do? I've just got to be confident and sure of my knowledge. Yeah. And know the player, obviously, which I didn't last week. <laughs> or educate, educated guesses. So here's the clue. Press coach. Tom and Richard uh, have to identify a Derby player from years gone by from a series of clues. This week's being, who ram I? I played 10 games for Derby County in 2003. <laughs> That's what we get in. Just 10, 2003. I think I know. Richard Kutcher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have a think about it. We'll come back to it later. Yeah. Uh, but we're all a little bit fraught, a little bit tired today, aren't we? Because we're all in the away end of Brentford uh, yesterday. And it was a... Um, Derby got a draw. They went ahead from uh, a Joe Ledley header scoring on his debut, which was good to see. And they were pegged back in the 86th minute uh, when Ollie Watkins bundled in from close range. Richard, was it? A good point, would you say, or two points dropped? Well, based based on the performance, it was a miraculous point because it was a dreadful performance. Remind everyone how little possession Derby had in that game. Uh, was it seventeen percent? Was it twenty? Seventeen in the first Seven. half. Twenty-four for the full time. Twenty-four yeah. overall. Yeah. Twenty-four yeah. percent possession. That's a generous twenty-four percent. I think Andre Wisdom held onto the ball for a throw-in for about five minutes to boost us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Based on that, it's a good point. But when you consider we're playing a team who only won their first game of the season at the weekend. Um, and we, and our you know and our aims are a lot higher than just going to a, a team like that and and trying to hold out for a point. Um, it's a t- it was t- it was a terrible performance. So it's a good point based on the performance, but really I think if you look in the grand scheme of things, it should be it should have been a game we're, we're aiming to win. Brentford had fourteen shots, but in fairness, as Rowett said afterwards, only two were on target. Tom, I, is that a, is that a plus? 
Uh, I thought we defended well. Uh, I thought we defended the penalty area really well in that last 15 minutes. I mean, I was fuming at the fact that we couldn't get out and every time we seemed to get the ball, we lumped it forward. But you've got to consider when did Carson make a save? And he tipped one round the post in the first half, um, but I think that was going wide, but it was it needed to be dealt with. Um, and then they scored with their sort of only other shot. Um, Coach, is it fair to say that a better team than Brentford would have put us away ages ago? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, Tom says we defended the box well, and we did, but we had to defend the box well for the whole match. Now, I think Davis and Keogh both played heroically, um, and fair play and to them. Forsyth as well. Yeah, and Forsyth. I thought the whole defence played well, uh, but they had to play well, because all their job was, was just defending the 18-yard box, and I thought we played exceptionally well all game, apart from one moment when we conceded. Uh, in our own 18-yard box, but that was literally the limit of our game. Um, so, I mean, it was just it was just so frustrating to watch because there was no there was no ideas going forward. The, the, the new midfield setup didn't really function properly. Winnell had was given nothing. Um, oh, was, you say you say that, but he did uh, he did chip in with a decent assist for the goal. Yeah. So that we'll look at yeah, as a header across. Yeah, great. There's a header the, across the goal. With the goal that we scored, yeah. Lawrence uh, did well to get it out of his feet, get a yard. And loop across to the back post. Winnell was all was under all kinds of pressure from the Brentford defender. Mm. Did well to get his header across into an area and let yeah. So I'm not off. I'm not criticising Winnell. I'm criticising. I'm saying that he literally had nothing to to feed off all game. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think um, I don't think you can criticise Winnell at all. Um, and I know what you were you're saying there that there was nothing through the midfield. The the people that disappointed me the most were the the ball players in midfield. I thought Johnson was awful. Um, kept giving the ball away, ran around like not doing anything didn't seem to put lots of tackles in but missed them all the time it's just frustrating Huddleston, Huddleston gave the ball away a lot which yeah. you don't see like he made a lot of speculative passes which went nowhere there's an interesting stat about Huddleston isn't there which emerged from uh, which emerged overnight from yeah. whoscored.com which is that Tom Huddleston against Brentford made 11 ball winning challenges or interceptions he won the ball 11 he made times. 11 he won the ball in the midfield third 11 times against Brentford which is more than any player has ever done in a championship game this season yeah. which is impressive Tom isn't it but it Definitely. doesn't really mean much when you don't do much yeah. with the ball once well, you've got it well my reply, my reply on Twitter to that was how many times did he then give it away or what was it, what was his pass completion rate because we didn't seem to ever keep the ball for longer than two passes after we ever won it I think you've got to give Brentford some credit. You could clearly see they're well-drilled and organised and they lack a bit of quality up front and if they had that quality, they'd have put us away and I raged Chris at half-time about how we were going to get stuff 4-5-1 and it, on the balance of play, you'd probably argue in terms of territory, it could have been um, but Brentford didn't have the quality and we had the quality at the back. Um, so it was a, I think it was a more resilient performance defensively. Yes. Davis was excellent, I thought. He was my yeah. man of the match. He was... Uh, he was getting in front of everything, reading the game well. Uh, the amount of balls he headed away, he did really well. I mean, um, absolutely, I agree with that. But you've got to offer something. You have to offer yeah. something going forward. You have to show some desire to get forward. Like, there was no desire. It wasn't even like we were trying to play football and failing. We just weren't... It was just completely anemic. When, when, when we had the ball, there was no idea. Everyone was far too spread out. There's no connection between midfield and, and the front three. Yeah. I mean, the that's, a, that's a key point. That yeah. connection between the midfield and um, there was uh, Vidra, Vyman, who came on for Bennett and Lawrence. Um, 
What, there wasn't much of a connection there, was there, Tom? No, not at all. And I think it kept breaking down. And in fact, the most frustrating thing was is that they scored in what the eighty sixth, eighty seventh minute, and then we actually suddenly started to play yeah. some football. Yeah. Like we've, we've just battled, or I don't know what we've done, battled or whatever, like for 70, 80 minutes beforehand. Um, they score, and then suddenly we start to play. And the same thing happened at Birmingham. We were awful on the Saturday. Uh, it was so slow uh, going forward, and then. They scored and we suddenly burst into life. And for 10 minutes, I thought we looked excellent. And then we switched off again. I think you get that a lot, don't you? That teams only start to play when, when they concede. Um, so Rowett said, after the Brentford game, uh, he, he said, I certainly think we've been too nice away from home. We rolled over a bit of Sheffield United. We rolled over a little bit of Bristol City. I asked the players to be tougher. And I certainly think, on the whole, we were tougher, more resilient. As much as Brentford had the ball... We limited them to two shots on target. I can't remember a clear-cut chance they had, and Scott Carson's not had a save to make in the second half. But we're disappointed we switched off. Is that a fair assessment, Coach? Yeah, they, they switched off defensively for 10 seconds, but they switched off in the attacking <laughs> for the 90 minutes. So I think it's a fair assessment that we played more solid, but it's not one or the other. If you want to be a top-half team at least, then you've got to be able to attack. We're not offering enough complete performances. It's not, it's not good enough to just say... That oh we this time we actually defended well yeah okay well maybe next time maybe have some training sessions on attack because it doesn't look like you've had one for two weeks yeah cool. so we we did we did this thing well but we didn't do that thing well yeah but look at this thing we did well and this <laughs> it's not yeah we're not getting we've only yet maybe seen one performance resembling a complete performance from Derby and I guess I guess that was whole but you have to consider the quality of the opposition uh, Tom Mason Bennett hobbled off early on yeah leaving. Uh, Andy Vyman on while Johnny Russell didn't even make the squad um, I guess those two are now battling it out for the other position in the three alongside Lawrence who would you go for? That's a really tough question um, no one's really impressed consistently uh, I've never been a massive fan of Vyman Russell uh, tries hard and I like the fact he tries hard but he's clearly not uh, in form and he's clearly not in favour for whatever's happened in the uh, week preceding the Birmingham game Um uh, Feynman ran around a bit last night, but he just doesn't make any intelligent runs to create space. So I haven't really got an answer, but I think it'll be Feynman. Um, I'm disappointed for Bennett. I thought he played well and he sparked the uh, comeback, I thought, him and Winnell uh, on Saturday. I mean, I think I'm surprised. I think we were all together when the team was announced and it was it was interesting to see the amount of changes he made. I think we were all relatively excited by bringing Winnell in and uh, bringing uh, Bennett in. But I was surprised that he played Johnson behind and dropped Vidra because I think yeah. in the week leading up to the game he talked about Johnson maybe moving to the left um, and going le- and going to the left and Vidra staying in the middle behind one of the three strikers we can pick so I would I would like to see us do that next week so I'd like to see Johnson play from the left with Vidra back in behind and then Lawrence on the right or, or Johnson and Lawrence can go on either wing whatever but would you keep Winnell up top do you reckon Chris? I, I think so yeah um None of the strikers have really pinned out, have really made the shirt theirs, have they? No. Nugent obviously got his brace against Bolton, uh, linked up well with Vidra against uh, Hull. Martin has only played sort of 20 minutes or so here and there. Um, did Martin start in the cup, be Barnsley, I think? Um, I can't remember, to be honest. But, the, you know, I yeah, mean, I, I would, is, yeah. mainly because the bottom line is is that Wendell set up one against Brentford and scored against Birmingham, and you've got to, you know, that's as close as we're going to get to uh, to, to, to form. So, yeah, yeah he's got to start against Cardiff. He um, It was interesting, the comparison between Wendell and Martin on Saturday. Um, Martin came on and looked a bit fat, and Wendell came on and looked full of energy. 
um, and got on the end of the the, the cross back uh, the nod back across goal um, to make it one all uh, against Birmingham City. I'm pretty sure from memory Martin was there as well. Yeah, he's on his heels. In, like, yeah. Martin was yeah standing there, ready to tap it in. Yeah, yeah. and Winnell got in there because he wanted it. And was eager, and that that sums the difference up between those two. And then Martin's happy to pick up his wages at the moment. I put out a uh, I asked a question of um, you know what has to change for Cardiff and had a few responses. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Martin Bunning said uh, nine games in for Derby and it looks like we still don't know our best starting eleven. We need consistency with the team and performances. Uh, John Loveridge tweeted us a couple of times. He said uh, we defended the box well against Brentford. Lawrence looks promising. Midfield very immobile. We need someone lively in there with more energy. As for like Cardiff, Bryson, maybe. <laughs> as for Cardiff, yeah. pessimistic. <laughs> Um, do, you, do you agree with that, Coach? Yeah, I think they're both really good points. I think the first point regarding not knowing our uh, best team, I think, um, is that bang on. I mean, he he obviously doesn't know his best team. He made five changes uh, during the week. Um, and I think there's more questions and answers after after the Brentford game. Um, so, yeah, I think they're both good points, and particularly on the immobile thing. I think we've been talking about it all season on the podcast. We think maybe Hardison and Johnson's quite immobile. Joe Daddy doesn't bring much more mobility to the, to the team and so it could cry out for maybe a Craig Bryson or, a, or Will Hughes or you know, someone like that maybe if only <laughs> do you fancy a bit of wild speculation yeah I, I love wild speculation what's happened to Johnny Russell um, he's been found out <laughs> there must be something more because Russell is a Vowett player isn't he he's well, yeah, energy yeah energy like high octane bit of pace like can be tricky just because you tell him to run direct um, and you'd think that Russell would be exactly what Rowett wants in that team. Was he not involved on Saturday at all? No, well, not he. Um, so Rowett was asked about him after the Birmingham game. Uh, the Derby Telegraph said to him, there's any reason why he was left out. And Rowett said, not one that I'm going to give, just my decision to leave him out of the 18. And then he told Radio Derby, Johnny was left out for different reasons. I won't go into those reasons now. He was fit and available. Well, there's a couple of things for me here. The first being that you know, it, it, it's clearly some sort of, I don't know, a training ground incident or something, some sort of row or something like that. But secondly, how smart is it of Rowett to really yeah. go, pub, go public with this? Just, yeah, just keep, keep it in-house, do you know what I mean? I, I don't think it's a bad thing that he has gone public because clearly, like, as Derby fans, we're all hugely frustrated with the fact that that team isn't putting enough energy in and I get frustrated at the quality of individuals in that team and how poor we are as a team by comparison. And if Russell isn't pulling his, pulling his weight... Um, he needs to be told needs to be told publicly and I have no problem with what Rowett's done there Fair enough um, Tom I'm afraid you're going to have to talk about Birmingham I know Tom you were of the three of us Tom you were there in the South Sand weren't you on yeah. Saturday um, what's your what did you come away from the game feeling? It was like the first half was, was ponderous I think uh, is a good way to describe it we were slow in possession uh, Birmingham City offered nothing uh, the second half was slightly brighter at times but overall I think the game was uh, the, the adjective I used was turgid uh, to describe it it was it was pretty awful I think I was eating a dictionary for breakfast but um, like we sparked into action when we conceded but it was their first shot on target we just didn't pick up Dukovic and he nodded it in great header um, wasn't it from Jukovic yeah he got into the angle really well he was sort of running away from goal and he headed it in the other direction mm. yeah fantastic goal but um 
the, the cross wasn't closed down quick enough. We just didn't look interested. Um, their right back was really poor and like we didn't put any pressure on them. Bennett played really well down the left and then we switched him to the right and he was anonymous. So um, it was really disappointing, like a hugely frustrating game. They were just they, they were there for the taking, weren't they? Definitely. Like, lost, what, lost six in a row, yeah. no manager, absolutely there for the taking. And it was, um, yeah, it was infuriating that we even went behind they didn't even play well that's you can't say that they, they went there and battled and they they got away with a good point and they got away with a point because we were poor um good turn thought, by mason bennett for the goal wasn't it excellent yeah and a good ball in as well like they hit the back post it's all the space there nodded back across and i thought and um, as we just sort of det- uh, discussed martin on his heels and winnell on on the front foot and nodded it in i um, thought it was i thought it was lawrence who whipped that in first time because mm. i didn't think Bennett sort of had that in his locker, no. but it was a it was a, it was a good. Turn. It's, well, it's a shame yeah. really that he's now. I mean, he left Brentford on crutches, so it doesn't look yeah. good for him, does it? No, um, not good. I, I think, thought he was bright on Saturday, and it's a shame he only lasted ten minutes on on Tuesday. The worst thing about Saturday was the fact that uh, it took me sixteen or seventeen minutes to get a pint at half time, so I missed <laughs> the f- second half. But <laughs> so you started to drink your pint two minutes after the second half had started. Basically. I did, and it took me ten minutes because I couldn't bother to go upstairs because crap. <laughs> <laughs> So we've sort of covered this already, um, but given the Birmingham game and the Brentford game, and to a lesser extent the Bristol City game, which I had the misfortune to go to, um, what do you think is the sort of the pecking order for Derby Derby strikers now, coach between Nugent, Martin, and Winnell? I think probably Winnell probably keeps a shirt, as Tom has already said. I probably agree with that. Probably keeps a shirt for Saturday. Um, and then I have Nugent ahead of Martin. As Tom said, I think Martin looks a bit disinterested. And the comment I made when we were at the game yesterday was that Martin, when he's in the team, when he knows he's first choice and he's going to start, and he's in the team and he's getting loved by everyone, then he'll be fit and he'll be roaring to go and I think he'll be a valuable player. But I don't know how much he, how much interest he shows when he's, when he's on the bench or not an automatic starter. Like the attitude he's shown in the last couple of weeks, and it looks like he has put on a bit of weight maybe. Um, doesn't look doesn't look great, and he's, that's not going to win your place back. So it looks like he's on the bench for good, to be honest. Um, I, I'd still like to see more of Nugent. I think I think Nugent's probably just if if you're playing the formation we have, if if we're struggling as a team, the stri- whoever plays up front is going to struggle because that formation. If you're playing good attacking football, it's brilliant. Like when we played that formation uh, years ago, we talked about it before. You know, Shevki Kuchi could do yeah. the job. You know, in that team yeah. and look good, but. If you're struggling and we're not playing proper football, you're not getting that formation working. Whoever plays up front isn't really going to get much luck. I would just want to go back to the Brentford thing, and we talked about defending well. And the the components of a performance are there, and I think it's important to keep the ball out of the net because you don't concede. And I know we didn't keep clean sheets, but we're not conceding a lot. And we defended very well on Tuesday. I know we did concede four against Bristol City, but generally I think defensively has been been a plus point it's the going forward in the midfield that's been the problem so we're sort of working from the back I think on the two ever, the two games that we've watched this week we won't get to the playoffs um, I don't think we'd even challenge for that but should we get the attacking bit and the midfield sorted I think we could certainly improve later in the season um, well we're on uh, W on 12 uh, points or 13 13 points? I think no, one of those two, no, I three, think. Three, three, three wins, three draws, three defeats, so 12 yeah. points. Yeah. 12 points, yeah. Um, 13 goals, 13 conceded. From how many? From nine games. Yeah. Uh, so if they repeat that sort of form, they'll end up in the late 60s or maybe 70 points-wise, which historically makes lets you finish about 10th, yeah. give or take. Yeah. Um, but if everyone continues, 
everyone in the league continues that, but as they're doing now, we'll finish 15th. It's such an open division, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, it's such an open division, which we'll see when, uh, well, as is evidenced by Cardiff being top of the league, uh, which we'll come to in the second half. But we'll come to, we'll discuss more after this. But before we do that, I've got a special announcement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we conducted our first ever interview with an ex-player, an ex-Derby County player, a matter of days ago. Um, that's, that's pretty impressive, Chris. If you were to, if you wanted to hear from any Derby County player who's also Jamaican and played 200 games for Derby in the late 90s, who, who would you want to hear from? Dion Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 200 games. 200 oh, games. Must be Daryl Powell, sorry. Uh-huh. I set that one up for you then. Football genius. <laughs> football genius. <laughs> I met the football genius oh. a matter of days ago. Where did you, um, you meet him? I met him at David Lloyd, uh, the, the popular health club. Um, in Pride Park, a Pye matter Pye. of meters from Pride Park. Yeah, yeah. It took a, it took a few weeks to organise, but we promised at the start of the season we'd try and get a few player interviews. Uh, I tracked him down. We had a nice chat for a, a good sort of 35, 40 minutes. It's good of him to give his time. Up. It was, yeah. He, he was, he was a top guy. Um, he was articulate and you know made time for us. And he was talking about all sorts. He was talking about Iranio, Bayano, One Chop, uh, the Jim Smith days. Yeah. How he got sent off in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, what he thinks about the Derby team now. And all that sort of thing. So I'm going to release that as a standalone episode, a standalone podcast episode during the international break. Um, and as a little, to give you a flavour of what he said, here is a short snippet of when I asked Daryl Powell what it was like being in that Derby County team when they first made it into the Premier League. I felt that as much as other people looked and said, you guys are in the Premier League, how do you do it? I believed in myself. I believed that I was good enough to be on the pitch with Patrick Vieira and I believed I was good enough to be on the pitch with Roy Keane and I, I remember Steve McLaren asking me, along with the psychologist that we had at the time, whether I felt I was good enough to play in the Premier League and how did I feel about those players and I, I was offended by that and that was the group of players we had. Maybe that's what he wanted like, you to, that's how he wanted you to react. He wanted you to I've, be offended and, to, probably, and to, to show, to show them, to prove them wrong. Sort of yeah, thing. probably did. So I didn't, I didn't look at those players with any like inhibitions or any fears. I knew they were good players, but I felt that we could always compete. So that was Daryl Powell, 45 seconds of. We had a good uh, sort of 30, 40 minute chat. Well, you've whetted my appetite now, Chris. <laughs> I actually want to hear the whole lot. Like so. No, he, he does. Yeah. He sounds passionate. What I like yeah. about it, he, just in that clip, he sounds sounds pretty like he's he's loving the memories. He's really passionate about those days, and yeah. obviously, it was a big part of his career that that kind of five six year spell. I was it, wondering how much he'd take to it. I didn't really know what to expect from him, but mm. yeah, as I said, he's very articulate because he's actually a football agent. Now, yeah, still in the game, um, which is which is great to see. So I guess he has to be. You know, he's sort of customer facing, isn't he? And yeah, he has to be able to talk a good game. Uh, but yeah, he's, he, he he talked really well. Gave you know remembered everything I hoped he would remember. Uh, and yeah, he's generally a top man. So I was, I was very um, appreciative that he gave us his time. It's funny about uh, Powell. I don't know if you'd agree with me because obviously we were all pretty young. This was all when we were falling in love with Derby, really. These yeah. kind of years. And I kind of remember uh, Daryl Powell as being the kind of the water carrier for yeah. all the really flair players. You know, as, as he mentions there, Aranio, Bayano, Asanovic, Wanchop, Sturridge, you know, great names. And they're the names that roll off the tongue and we all remember. But you know, there's a couple of players like Powell who were there throughout that whole, that whole period. Yeah, and and he was pretty, pretty integral, really. He, as well. uh, 
he carried the piano for Iranos, Iranio to play the music, didn't he? <laughs> Jesus, Chris. <laughs> it's, my, it's an analogy. People yeah, use that as an analogy. Yeah, that's okay. fine. My actual first memory of Daryl Powell was, um, I'm pretty sure it was Easter Monday against Tranmere Rovers, and he, uh, we were 1-0 down to a John Aldridge penalty, and uh, Daryl Powell equalised just before half-time. I'm pretty sure it was a left foot, like I'd say a thunderbolt, but it probably P-rolled into the bottom corner. Um, and then we went on and won 6-2 we scored 5 goals in about 25 minutes and Paul Simpson scored a hat-trick that was a game that turned around the season wasn't it was that... I think it was East... I think it was like oh no so Mill, it was one against yeah. Mill earlier in the season when we, when we beat them and they were yeah. top of the league and we were still oh, low down yeah. that was when we turned it around yeah. that was the week after the Tranmere game when we lost 5-1 because yeah. like, it was the yeah, it was Stimatch's debut he yeah. scored so yeah we talked about uh, well not that game to be honest but <laughs> we <laughs> talked about I was there that's why I remember that uh, one <laughs> you know I asked him who would were the most skillful players he's played with, uh, who's his hardest opponent, that sort of thing. And as I said, I'll release that as a standalone episode uh, at some point during the international break, probably like the Friday or something, I imagine. So keep your eyes peeled for that one on our Twitter or Facebook. Speaking of which, if you've been enjoying the podcast so far, then do follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we on Instagram now as well. Yes, at last. Drop in some... Drop some Instagram bombs. Oh, yeah, some big stories yeah. on Instagram last night from uh, Griffin Park. <laughs> so join us in all of that. <laughs> and in the second half, we'll talk about Cardiff and Crystal Palace. Now again, there's Villains. Asanovic! Daly! Derby have equalised! Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. The Rams go to Cardiff City away this weekend for what's going to be an extremely tricky fixture against a side who are currently top of the league at the time of recording. Uh, so we wanted to see what Laird Land is over there in Wales, so we had a chat to digital sports writer and Cardiff City reporter Dominic Booth from Wales Online about the Bluebirds and Craig Bryson, and here's what he had to say. Dominic, thanks for joining us. Uh, so the Bluebirds are flying right now, the top of the league at the time of recording, at least, after finishing 12th last season. Uh, so what's changed? And are Cardiff the real deal this season, do you think? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Chris. I think you first contacted me a couple of days uh, ago when Cardiff were in top. Obviously, in that time, there's been a 3-1 win over Leeds at home on Tuesday night, uh, which has shifted the mood back to where it was after the first five games of the season, which were all wins. Um and it's it's just it's all on Neil Warnock's Midas touch, really. Everyone thinking that he's got everyone pulling in the same direction after a few difficult years, obviously, following relegation. Uh, and and there is genuine belief now that they can actually go all the way. And that's just that's just grown from from the win against Leeds, really. Is it um, uh, is it just Warnock sort of getting more out of the same group of players, or have, have you had many changes in the summer? No, there's been a few arrived in the summer. Uh, some some key names, uh, obviously one of them. Derby fans will know really well in Craig Bryson, who's come on, on loan. Uh, he came on loan on deadline day. He was one of ten summer signings in total, and only I think only three of them incurred a fee. And all three of those are actually on the bench at the moment. Lee Tomlin from Bristol City, Danny Ward from Rotherham, and Omar Bogle from Wigan. I think there's about a combined four and a half million, touching five million spend on those three, but they can't get past their striker, Kenneth Zahor, at the moment. Warnock's done some some hunting in the bargain bins you might say and it, it seems to be paying off well he knows his way around this division doesn't he and I think that's uh, you know you, you know the sort of experience you're going to get with him uh, you mentioned Craig Bryson there who went to went to Cardiff on deadline day on loan 
Uh, how has he done so far? Yeah, really good. He's exactly uh, what you'd expect from a Warnock-type player. Industrious, energetic. He, he picks up the second ball really well. Which I don't know if Derby fans noted him for, for that, but that, that's a real feature of his game, especially against Leeds on Tuesday night when he was really, really superb, actually. Offers a bit more than maybe a box-to-box, but not quite a number 10 is, is the position that Warnock's been playing him in. So just pushing on from the midfield. Excellent. Was he playing a three or a two for the um, uh, for Cardiff? Three in the three in the middle uh, is what one tends to play with. One of them quite a bit deeper, like a, a traditional uh, number six, if you like. You know, a real deep, deep lying midfielder, and two, two a little bit further on. And Bryson's one of the two. He seems to have nailed down a spot now as well after initially maybe not being in the in the first choice team. And he uh, he scored the other week, didn't he? He got his first goal for Cardiff. Yeah, superb finish against Sunderland. It was a sort of classic, what you might call classic Route 1 goal. I think it was a hoof, hoof up from a goal kick, flicked on, and then Bryson volleyed it. I think without touching the ground, it was it went from one net to the other. But yeah, it was good for him to get his first goal, and I think Cardiff fans are impressed with him. Has Warnock made any noises about wanting it permanently? No, not at the moment. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that came to pass, though. There's a, a French midfielder called Loic de Moore, who is probably Bryson's biggest rival for a place in the side. He also came on a, on a free along with a lot of other players in the summer. Um, so, yeah, I think probably early days for that one, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I was actually speaking to a few people today writing a piece for Wales Online about why Derby let him go. And it's, it sounds like it, it was maybe slightly muddled thinking and Derby fans largely might have wanted him to stay. I don't know. He was allowed to go on a condition that we were going to get in Kifton Belder as a replacement and obviously that fell through in the end. So that was partly to do with it you know the various reasons as to why he was left to, to and obviously to Derby got a, a, a Cardiff old boy and Joe Ledley we, at one point uh, we all thought that Ledley might come back home but right, we got Bryson and you, and you got Ledley we've both done right for ourselves really haven't we overall and hopefully yeah, uh, both hopefully Ledley can, level. hopefully Ledley can recreate the sort of form that, that he produced in his early days at Cardiff on Saturday the Rams travel to Cardiff to face what still could be the table topping pace setters uh, give us something to cling on to now Dom um, how can Derby get at Cardiff well something to cling on to might be the fact that it could be a, a bit of after the Lord Mayor show for Cardiff the Leeds game was was fever pitch really 27,000 plus uh, inside the Cardiff City Stadium which is a, a record crowd for the Warnock area uh, era sorry uh, and Cardiff have, have, have been known in recent years it might not happen as much because it's Warnock and he doesn't allow it but they have been known to let their levels drop after a big game so yeah that's something for the Rams to cling on to and also the fact that what Cardiff really have lacked is a creative spark Bryson has been as close to it which is Derby fans may laugh and, and say that he's not a genuine creative player but they do lack a real number 10 they don't really play with one at the moment Tomlin can't get in the team so if Derby can nullify the threat from out wide then there's not much going through the middle and in terms of players to look out for who are Cardiff's big danger men um, it was Junior Hoylet against Leeds on Tuesday night. Man of the match performance. Well, I think a lot of fans are familiar with Hoylet from his time at Blackburn and QPR, where he, he threatened to be you know, a Premier League player, certainly one of the best players in the second tier. Um, and on the other flank, it's Mendes Lang. Uh, Nathaniel Mendes Lang, a new signing this summer on a free. We'd barely heard of him. And then he, scored, he went and scored five goals in his first five Cardiff games. So the threat really comes from out wide from Cardiff. And they, they, they all feed Ken Sahor. I think most people are now familiar with as, as one of the better forwards in the division. We'll just get a cheeky prediction off you. What's your? Uh, how do you think the game will go on Saturday? Well, 
I think because it's Warnock, it won't be after the Lord Mayor show. It will be professional. And I, I note how Derby have been fairly inconsistent in their results this season. Um, so I'll go for a comfortable Cardiff win, 2-0. I'm sorry, sorry to your listeners to have to say that, but uh, obviously coming, coming at it from a Welsh perspective. Dom, thanks for your time and all the best to Cardiff for the season. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Chris. So that's the view from Cardiff, a fairly, a slightly smug Cardiff, might add, as they're top yeah. of the league. Um, Coach, it's going to be an extremely tricky game on Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. And you can tell just from, from Dominic's tone, obviously they're quite upbeat there. And um, obviously riding high, and, and even more so considering they weren't expecting to be up there. So, you know, Neil Warnock's obviously got uh, a team put together, a game plan put together, and it, everything's working correctly. And he knows how to do this, unfortunately. So, it's going to be a tough game. It's not the kind of place you want to go on the back of the last two performances we've had. You didn't um, really, you didn't really sound smug, Dominic. I was just, uh, you, you know, you sound confident as anyone would be. Yeah, in, no, exactly. No, uh, exactly. When, when you're, when the team you report on is top of the league, no, rightly so. Yeah, definitely rightly so. Um, as much as you might dislike Warnock, he, you'd probably love him if he was in charge of your club, and I think even Derby fans would probably uh, take to him if he was doing the the work that he's doing at Cardiff. So you can't go along with that, but probably. Yeah, I'm thinking probably. I mean, that's if still, we're top of the league, you yeah. hate him so much, don't you? I, I'm really just, I do hate him. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not sorry, Neil, but I'm sorry. But I hate him. Hate you, Neil Warnock. No, I don't mind Richard. <laughs> That's my new Warnock impression. <laughs> Do it again. He's, he's a good lad, huh, Richard? <laughs> you should stick to your podcast. <laughs> Get out, Neil. We didn't invite you here. Uh, there's been some sort of chat on on social media and that sort of thing where, granted, these things do get blown out of proportion and it's sort of a repository for knee-jerk reactions and over-exaggeration. Um but there's been some chat that, you know, Rowett could be under pressure if we don't sort of get results from Cardiff or Forest after the break. Um, do you think that's the case, Tom? I, I think this is ridiculous because Derby fans are going, oh, let's have some consistency. Let's have uh, something, continuity and stuff like that. Like, OK, so we'll sack our manager. For me, no. It, even if we lost 4-0 at Cardiff, 4-0 at Forest, I'd be livid, but he's still got a job for me. Yeah, I, I'd agree with Tom, but what I would say is, and I would keep Rowett, for the foreseeable, even if it got a lot worse. But we know what Mel Morris is like. I think a lot of the speculation comes because of Mel Morris's track record. And managers have been sacked for le- for doing... Clement, uh, for example. Clement, for example, you know, was in a decent position, had a team which had proved to be doing well, and we had, went on a bad run, and Mel Morris pushed the panic button. Now, that's a, fair point. that's a fair point. A lot of this comes from just the fact that Mel Morris has previous, doesn't he? And, yeah. And I it think, wouldn't be unlike him to make a decision like this. And particularly, and again, and I don't want to blow it out of proportion either, but if you're Mel Morris watching the Birmingham game, the way we crumbled at Bristol City, and then the, the way we just didn't turn up on Tuesday night and just offered nothing, that's the kind of thing that I could see Mel, if particularly if we got hammered by Cardiff and then didn't get a result against Forrest. Um, he's got he's you know he's got history for sacking managers after defeats against Forest. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we didn't turn up on Tuesday. We just uh, you know we didn't offer anything. We, we were just too passive. We didn't turn up outside the eighteen yard box. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Come on, <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, I don't think he, I don't think any of us are advocates of sacking Rowett at all. I'm no. definitely behind him. I said from the beginning of the season, as Tom mentioned, that we should have consistency. But if you're going on who's in charge and who is making decisions, I wouldn't rule it out. The I remember when uh, Clement was sacked. It was you that texted me. I got home uh, from work and I've been on my bike, so I didn't have my phone on me. And you said, "Oh, Clement's just been sacked." I was like, "No, you're joking. We're two points <laughs> off top in fifth." And uh, and you're like, "No, deadly serious." I, yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it, and I felt a little bit sort of a little bit sick, as in like, "Why have we sacked Clement?" I still don't. 
I still don't understand the decision now. So, um, yeah. Stranger things have happened. So, on to Saturday, we're going to win 2 0 away from home. I'm pretty <laughs> sure uh, it's going to be a great performance. Winnell's going to get the first, and then Martin's going to come in and score from 25 yards for free kick. And then Mel Morris will put Kara out forward for a knighthood. <laughs> I think you're both so tired. Gary. <laughs> I think you're both so tired, you know, I become delirious and going insane. I'm pretty sure we played Cardiff a few years ago, and my memory serves with the when we had the maroon away kit. Um, and we were not doing very well, and we went away to Cardiff not expecting anything. And I think Bryson scored twice, and, mm, and we won two 0 And it was it's one of those it's one of those strange things where a team who have been playing well uh, like Cardiff up top of the league early on in the season, and then a team who've got good players but not quite gelling. Um, then go to there and, and do, a, do a job. And I, it wouldn't surprise me to see us win, actually. And they will be without their star box-to-box midfielder, Craig Bryson. So that is a blow for both them and us. Yeah. That is true. We're, both, as... we're both missing Bryson. <laughs> ah, give us back! <laughs> but as Dominic said in... Uh, Zahore, uh, When we chatted to him just then, that Zahore is, uh, is the main threat. Fun fact, guess who uh, Kenneth Zahore's agent is? Daryl Powell. Powell. Damn right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, he's the main threat, obviously, but the main threat is sort of from the wide players, um, Mendes Lang and Junior Hoylett. And I do worry about our fullbacks. I mean, yeah. Forsyth did a decent job, but he doesn't look quite yeah, 100% probably, yet. You think Olsen might come back in two games of the week might be too much for Fozzie. Although I meant to mention, actually, a personal highlight from Brentford was down near the end when the, the sort of diminutive Brentford lad was trying oh, to yeah. was trying to get a cheap throw in or a cheap corner off uh, of wisdom to try to jostle him <laughs> and literally just bounced off him <laughs> was, that, yeah. was that the uh, two foot tall shit Ravinelli yeah it was I yeah. think it was oh, yeah. you have to put an explicit language warning on the podcast now. <laughs> god um, but yeah no, I do I do worry about the fullbacks and I think unless we cut that threat out then we're, we're going to be in a world of trouble on Saturday Junior Hoylet's always um, been a danger he's never quite fulfilled his promise has he no. Now yeah, now he's going to play really well on Saturday. He set up that goal at Wembley, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. But he should have been a much better player. He was tipped for England as a youth. Speaking of the Premier League, um, before we uh, before we go, or last, I wanted to turn our attention to rock bottom Crystal Palace. Now, we all need cheering up a little bit. Yeah. Coach, they're rock bottom. Played six, lost six. No points, no goals. Can they beat that points record? So they're in play for not just that points record, but for numerous Derby County records oh. from that season. Hit us, coach. So obviously 11 points is the one we all remember. Uh, Derby obviously got 11 points in the 2007-2008 season. We also scored the fewest goals, 20 goals, uh, in a Premier League season. <laughs> which, which Man City have beaten already. No. I... Oh, as in they've already scored 20 goals this yeah. season. Okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say, well, that would be impressive. Um... <laughs> So and Palace have, as you said, Chris, they've um, scored zero goals at this point last season. We'd scored four goals. Uh, no, not last season. At this point in the season, we got eleven points. We'd already scored four goals and already had four points. So Palace are already way behind on that. Smashed in four goals by the end. We'd of September. smashed in two in goals. August. <laughs> two in August. Yeah. Um, two on the open day. Wasn't yeah. It? We also had the fewest away wins in a season. Zero. Yeah. We, um, shared record, we shared that with Leeds, Coventry, Hull, Wolves, and Norwich. Uh, most consecutive games without a win, 32, Derby County. Um, That's going to take some beating. That will take some beating. But if they're, gonna, if they're not going to beat the 11 points, then... then there's, there's, only one, there's only one record I want to see them beat, and it is the points one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's be honest, they're, 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 not, they're not going to, are they? They're <laughs> no, not, they're not going to beat the record. Ben Teke's but... injured, and he's out for eight weeks, and they've got this lad who, on the, the 
uh, fantasy footballer who's worth four and a half million pounds, so he must be rubbish. I don't even know what he's called. <laughs> Was that their second striker? <laughs> yeah, they've got no other striker apart from Benteke. So Conor Wick scored no Conor goals. Wickham's injured as well, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, you can never, you can't imagine anyone ever beating our record. Um, but no, I can't see Palace. Palace will get more than eleven points, surely. Be bloody funny. Roy Hodgson should be able to eke out twelve. Put it, put it 12. this way. In I remember when QPR last came down. They didn't win until November, until mid-November, did they? And they yeah. still got like twenty-five points or something. Um, so the thing is, every every club that gets relegated goes on at least a half-decent run at some point. <laughs> we just we just never did we just never did that. We're still waiting for that <laughs> half-decent run. <laughs> um, so that's why I think our record will never be beaten. I think Hodgson will be able to string a couple of wins together, or a couple, you know, and some draws. Do you reckon um, so? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. the squad looks like it's probably got enough about it. Depends what happens in January, really. Does Johan Gabay still play for Palace? I think he does, but I don't think he gets in the team these days. He's he's. How he's, could they afford to let? How bad was Joe Ledley for them last year? Uh, he wasn't great, from what I'd heard from uh, a couple of Palace mates of mine. Yeah, same, same. Here. He got released, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he hasn't played since March. Pretty sure it was. What do you think about Hodgson? I mean, Hodgson at Palace. Just to go on off a bit of a non-Derby County tangent. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier and the fact that his, his methods are very old school, aren't they? You hear about him sort of organising back fours with pieces of rope and that sort of thing. I think he's a good boss. I think he did well, reasonably well at England. Uh, we just collapsed in was it two, Euro 2016. I, I think he's got a lot of experience. Yeah, and he, he did a great job at West Brom. And he did yeah. a great job at Fulham. And True. Liverpool is obviously out of his league, maybe. Or, well, Liverpool is Liverpool, isn't it? It's a bit of a disaster zone. But, you know, Fulham, West Brom, he, he turned West Brom around, he turned Fulham around. So you'd think he's got the track record. Just is it maybe one job too many for him? You know, managers do, managers do get old and managers do go by their sell by date at some point. You know, look at Felix McGaff when he went to Fulham. It's a bit yeah. of a different situation, but he was mental. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Redknapp. Downright mental. Uh, well, on that note, we will. We'll wrap it up there. Mental. <laughs> and finish with the... Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> with the fantastic sorry, climax sorry. of the podcast that nobody has been waiting for. At the start of the podcast, I gave you this clue. Um, who am I? I played 10... I, I made 10 appearances for Derby County in 2003. Tom, can I have a guess? Right. You said 2003, so that's the year. So I'm thinking it must have been the 2002-3 season and then the 3-4. I'm thinking Marvin Robinson, because I know he played in the last game of the Premier League season because he scored at Sunderland. And then I'm pretty sure he left quite soon afterwards. Marvin Robinson. Marvin Robinson. Is incorrect. I actually, Marvin Robinson crossed my mind, but he wasn't in my choices. Uh, Richard. Go on. I, I might get his first name wrong. Francois de Croix. Oh. You've guessed him before and it wasn't like that. <laughs> it was Pierre de Croix. Pierre de Croix. Is it Pierre de Croix? No. Oh. It's not Francois Grenet or yeah. Pierre de Croix. Oh, Grenet was my next guess. Yeah. No, it's not him. No, because he signed like before. Yeah, he signed like 3.5 million club yeah. record fee. Uh, so, clue number two. I. So, this is why it's difficult because I'm trying not to give it away. Uh, in yeah. England, I also played oh. for clubs including Crystal Palace and Norwich City. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, uh, Tom, Simo Valakari is incorrect. Richard Palace. Go on, Luciano Zavagno. Also incorrect. <laughs> I remember him. He scored. No, but he. He's, That's that. Yeah. yeah. Clue number three. Yeah. I play for Derby on loan and scored three goals. Three goals in ten games is pretty good. Ah, oh, Tom, 
Manel Martinez Fernandez. <laughs> You're just giving him too much your name. Mane. Black Mane. Whatever his name was, Manel. Oh, Ma- Manel Richard. is incorrect. Yeah. Richard. Richard, go on. Oh no, it's not right. Go on to say it. No, I was gonna say Danny Dicchio. Danny Dicchio is incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> He's played for loads of clubs. Yeah, yeah. All the uh, clubs. What are we on now? Clue number four. Right, so yeah. let's it never recap. gets this let's, far. Let's, let's go recap. So recap. ten appearances in two thousand and three. Yeah. Played for Palace and Norwich. In, Three goals in England, but so that means obviously that's where both those clubs are based. Yeah, yeah, no, like you said, you suggested <laughs> that he played in foreign climes as well, so that suggests to me he's not English. Maybe he did. Yeah. Three goals. I'm inferring from your words, Chris. Okay, next. Three, Three goals. Uh, right. Clue number four. I played 45 games for Portsmouth in 1996 to 1998, scoring 10 goals. Were they Portsmouth not in England? <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, just it's just another English club that you played. Oh, what is this? <laughs> All right. Say that it's 96 to 98. And I also played for Charlton. Did I tell you that? No. <laughs> Any more clues that you're just going to chuck at us? Borough? So, you play for Borough? <laughs> <laughs> so to clarify, former English clubs are Portsmouth, in order, Portsmouth, Crystal Palace, Charlton, Derby County, Norwich City, and then IF Ellsborg, I assume in Sweden. <laughs> oh, come on. Bloody hell. How have you got it by ch- now? Uh, Richard. Go on. Mikkel Beck, but it's not no, him. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Let's try to guess someone. Think of one first. <laughs> <laughs> Mikkel Beck was way earlier than that. This is really Tom, tough. anything? Um, We're running out of time. I've got to wrap this up soon. Oh, God. Well, wow. Got work in the morning. <laughs> yeah, what time? Um, <laughs> was he a striker? Yeah. A Belgian striker? No. <laughs> Called Christian Benteke. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to I'm, I'm have to move this on. Um, I'm Swedish. Jeez. Oh, um, Spencer! Oh, Anders Spencer! Spencer! Richard Anders Spencer! Anders Spencer! <laughs> Richard Anders Spencer! <laughs> You've ruined the game, but I'm not sure where to go from here. This is like a Stuart's inquiry. I want it, didn't I? I want it. Uh, Who it. is your guest, Richard? Anders Spencer. That's not his name. <laughs> Tom. Is it Matthias Spencer? That is his name. Yes! <laughs> yes! They've always called Anders. <laughs> no! There is an Anders Svensson, isn't there? There, there is, is one, but it's, the, but it's not the same guy. Derby in 2003, so <laughs> 10, 10 games, three goals. That was, an absolute car, <laughs> that was an absolute car crash from what, start to finish. What was the uh, last one where we struggled? Candido Kevin Harper. No, Kevin Harper. Kevin Harper. Kevin Harper. That That's because Chris yeah. got it wrong, because he scored two goals for Derby. One was at Swansea in the FA Cup. Not this again. <laughs> that was absolutely... No one gets a point for that. I'm going to have to have a think about this, and, I'll, I'll, right. and I'll, let you know, right. I'll let you know what my decision is. But <laughs> that's it for episode six of Steve Bloomer's Washing. As I said, do follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe <laughs> on iTunes. Uh, give us a tweet, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll be back after the international break. Uh, sorry, during the international break with a Daryl Powell interview, of course, and then after the international break, after the game against Nottingham Forest. Say goodbye, Richard Kutcher. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Tom Martin. See you later, guys. <laughs>